appreciate you for this day, this time, and this opportunity to get into your word, to be blessed, to be lifted, to be upgraded, to be instructed in righteousness, and to be led in the way we should go. We are ready for all that you have made ready for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're in the last month of uh, the amazing 2020. It's been a a year. It's been a year. For some, it's been a very terrible year. For others, it's been a glorious year. It depends on where you have functioned. For those who have functioned in the Word of God, what a glorious year. And for those who have lived by the system of this world, what a terrible year. And it all has to do with foundations. The foundation of the Lord is sure. It cannot be shaken. But anything that is based on the system of this world is sinking sand. It will fall. No matter how beautiful it may rise, it will fall. And so, as we prepare ourselves for the coming year, we need to ready ourselves to be more than just shining lights, but as a people that will work together to be cities upon hills, to light up our world. But then there is something that we need to understand. Ignorance is very costly. Please write this down, don't forget it. Ignorance is more costly than knowledge. So I'm expecting you to at least have somewhere to write, have a pen. I'm not expecting you to be looking at me. You don't go to school without a notebook. Make sure you get somewhere to write. Praise God. Because if you have an opportunity to attend to knowledge and you don't pay attention, you'll pay pay terribly for for that. Life will not forgive you for your ignorance. Life will not forgive you for your ignorance. Ignorance, I said, is more costly than knowledge because to acquire knowledge, one needs to look for it and it's not something that is hard to find. One needs to exchange it with value, whatever that may be. One needs to pay attention and then exercise himself in discipline to benefit from that knowledge. But for ignorance, you pay nothing for getting it. You get to pay for keeping it. And the payment may be in, may be with your own life, may be with your own failure, your own disappointment. So the scripture says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. He's saying they are actually paying for their ignorance. They are paying for their ignorance. The reason their life is like this is because ignorance has taken so much from them. Knowledge won't take much. What knowledge takes from you, it only takes to multiply back to you. But what ignorance takes from you, it takes 
and it will never stop taking and it will never give you never give it back to you until you go for knowledge and then there are two types of ignorance there is the ignorance which is a lack of knowledge and then there is the ignorance which is a rejection of knowledge so for the for the latter the person is ignorant because he doesn't want to walk according to the knowledge he knows maybe we should go to the book of Hosea chapter 4 rather chapter 6 book of Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 he says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge there is something that they have that is a reason for their demise, their failure, their destruction. He says, now look at this kind of ignorance he's talking about. He says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee. Thou hast rejected knowledge. So, knowledge was brought to them. They rejected it. They are not ignorant because they have never had access to knowledge. They are ignorant because they have never accepted knowledge. And if you are ignorant because you have never accessed knowledge, what you need is to learn knowledge. But if you are ignorant because you rejected the right knowledge and went for deception, what you need before learning knowledge, you have to unlearn your ignorance. There are a lot of things that we need to unlearn. 2021 will not be different from this year if we don't unlearn some things that we are responsible for our failures in this year. We'll continue to perish. The years will change. But if we don't change, there will be no change in our lives. It begins with us. He didn't say, my people perish because of the circumstances they face. My people perish because of the economy. My people perish because... There is no one to help them. My people perish because the devil is against them. No, he said because of something that they have. Ignorance. Because of their ignorance, they are perishing. Now, as it applies to individuals, it also applies to churches. The churches perish because of ignorance. Either a rejection of knowledge or a lack of knowledge. They perish because of ignorance. You've got to understand that the church of God is meant to be an organized structure, a well-organized organism, a living thing, not a dead thing, with a head, with hands, with legs, with different members. It's not a social group. I have seen that in most cases, what we call church is not church in the scriptural sense of the word. It's yet to become a church. Because even though there is the order of man, there is no divine order. When God spoke to Moses, he said, see to it that when you are going to build the tabernacle, you do it according to the pattern I showed you. 
the church should also be built according to the pattern scripture reveals. So we have seen that many people move from church to church, denomination to denomination, fellowship to fellowship, because they have no idea, slight idea of what the church is supposed to be, how the church is supposed to look like, how the church is supposed to function. Ever been to a place where the pastor stood to rebuke a certain individual in the church and people got angry and they left the church? It shows you they never understood what the church was. He said, who, who, who does he think he is that he can stand up to speak against me in the church? Who does he think he is? But have you read the scriptures to see what authority God has given to the pastor? Have you read the scriptures to see how a church is supposed to handle discipline? Have you read the scriptures? Not many have read the scriptures. We're living in that day where <laughs> the Bible of many is only open on Sunday. They don't read their Bibles. They read Facebook. They read Google News. They don't read their Bibles. And I told you last time, many people don't think, unfortunately. They don't. They only think the thoughts of others. And there are those who think they are thinking when they are not thinking. Like that guy who rejects knowledge. So he thinks he knows something. <laughs> but what he knows is nothing. Beware of bad books. Where a bad book is a bad thief. It makes you think you know something when in actual sense you are learning ignorance. You have to be aware of such things. Rob you of your time, your money, your opportunities may even rob you of your own potential. It's more dangerous than lack of knowledge. A wrong teaching is more dangerous than no teaching. Beware. So many don't read, many don't study. And those who do read the wrong things. They listen to the wrong things. How do you know? How do you know somebody is, is not listening to something correct? Their lives. Your life is a reflection of the teachings you have been listening to. And if we see that many Christians are living wrong, it is because they are believing wrong. And if they are believing wrong, it is because what they are hearing is wrong. We are all a product, the sum total of the lessons that we have learned. And so when a pastor... Back to what we're talking about, when a pastor stands up and says, um, don't behave like this, don't behave like that, some people will run away. That's not a church. Paul talked about these days, how that people will want to be told what they want to hear. I've seen this as a pastor, I have, where people come for pastoral counseling with the idea of hearing what they have made up their minds to hear. Not because they want to be directed. No, they want the pastor to convey what they think is right. They are like Balaam before God who has made up his mind to go against the will of God. And even though God says don't go, he still wants to go. 
So you hear people say, I talked to pastor. You did talk to pastor, but the pastor share with you the mind of God. Did you get the mind of God? Was your heart open to the full counsel of God? There are certain people who are given leave to do whatever they want to do, not because it's the will of God, but because they insisted that's the way they want to follow. Balance says to God, they have promised me a handsome seed for this prophecy. Should I go? The honorarium is going to be big. This is the financial miracle I've been praying for. God said, don't go. And then Barak said, we'll give you more. <laughs> he went back to God and, and said, God, what should I do? God said, don't go. He said, but they have even gathered the elders. You know, this is very important. God said, don't go. Ah, since the man insisted, God said, go. You think that every time God tells you go, he means it. Sometimes God speaks to you according to what you want to hear. Because he knows no matter what he tells you, you will not do what he wants you to do. He went not because God sent him, but because he insisted he should go. And, and when you look at relationships, you will see what I'm talking about. The man is not asking for God's direction concerning this sister. He has made up his mind, this is the one. And anyone who says she is not the one is not hearing from God, including God himself. <laughs> he has made up his mind. She has made up her mind. And I've seen people move from church, leave the church because the pastor said, don't marry that one. The pastor said. And yet these are the very people who stand to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Shepherd? How is he your shepherd? No, 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 no. You, you can't quote the scripture and refuse to leave the scripture and yet experience the benefit of the scripture. The one you're calling your shepherd gave you shepherds. He shepherds you through the shepherds he has placed over you. If really you want to experience what it means to not lack, you've got to follow the shepherd. First, you must know him as your Lord. That means he owns you. Your life belongs to him, including your decisions. Secondly, you must know him as your shepherd. That means you go where he tells you to go. You do what he tells you to do. You sit where he tells you to sit. Doesn't matter that he leaves you in the valley. You go because he is your Lord. He is your shepherd. You will not say, I will not go to the valley. Because I know that death is there. I know that the enemies are there. I will go because my Lord has spoken. My shepherd has spoken. I will go. Because I know that he will never lead me where he will not protect me. He will never lead me where he will not take care of me. So if he leads me in the presence of my enemies, right there he will prepare a table before me. If he leaves me in the valley of the shadow of death, he'll be able to protect me from the evil there. He will not lead me where he will not keep my soul from being overtaken. But no, we have not known him as 
Lord, we have not known him as shepherd. We have confessed him, but we have not known him. And so we find it difficult to be laid in the church. Find it difficult. Unfortunately, many of us have become the Lord's shepherds. Unfortunately. We have attempted to lead him. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to Namibia. Do everything. This is what I want to do. Make sure I prosper. You have become your Lord's shepherd. And because of this disorder, there is no flow of miracles in your life. Before Jesus Christ could feed the 5,000 men, women and children not counted, he had to first establish order. Make the men sit down in companies of 50s and 100s. Order must be established first before the supernatural can be experienced. Light must come before God should start working. If there is darkness, you won't see God work. So let there be light. That's the first thing. And you should know that when God said let there be light, he was not saying let there be the sun, for he made the sun on the fourth day. He needed something that will help bring order to the earth. So he can now bring whatever he wanted in place. Adam was not planted in a desert. He was taken from the desert, planted in a garden. It was a well-organized environment. And you see, God wants to plant people in a well-organized church. But until the church knows what it means to be the church, it will never grow. We are not meant to be a forest. We are meant to be a garden. A well-fenced garden. A well-watered garden. A garden with different flowers that are complementing each other in beauty. Not just a garden of rose flowers, but different flowers. And that's what the Bible calls us, the Lord's garden, his vineyard. That's what the Lord calls us. And so, children have not developed their senses to be able to distinguish between right and wrong. That is why they are tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Children don't know what is right from what is wrong. They can't tell the difference from their left hand to their right hand. No difference. A false prophet, a true prophet, they can't tell. A false brethren, a true brethren, they can't tell. So since we're talking about a city on a hill, and today we're talking about false brethren, and we're using terminology such as shepherd, you should see the difference between uh, the different animals that a shepherd gets to lead. You see that a shepherd has sheep. He also has lambs. Now you see, concerning the sheep, he says, my sheep hears my voice. The voice of strangers they will not follow. 
But for lambs, the lambs don't know the voice of the shepherd. The lambs follow the shepherd by following the sheep. But some of the so-called sheep are not sheep. Some are wolves in sheep's clothing. So you may call them false sheep or false brethren. They are planted among the fold to misdirect the flock. And apart from the lambs, the sheep, the false sheep, the wolves, you also have goats. You see, the difference between a goat and a sheep is that a sheep follows the shepherd. A goat needs to be followed. Praise God. How many of you have ever done a work of a shepherd before? No one? I had such an opportunity. You, you, goats don't follow you. You have to follow them. Goats don't follow your voice. You have to use a whip if you're going to control goats. And sadly, you also have them in the church. They are goats. Um, <laughs> the pastor may give an instruction and say, we're going to do ABCD. The goat will have to go in the opposite direction. It is his nature to do so. The sheep will follow. The wolves will mislead the lambs. It's okay not to follow the voice of the shepherd. Because they have an agenda. They want to eat the lambs. They want to destroy them. Can we get to the scripture? Because I can see the look of concern on your faces. Galatians chapter 2 verse 4. He says, and that because of false brethren, Galatians 2 verse 4, and that because of false brethren, false brethren, someone tells somebody, false brethren. I know you are aware of false prophets, false teachers, false pastors, but scripture also talks about false brethren. <laughs> You think they are part of you when they are not part of you in actual sense. You even call them brethren. Brother, sister. You pray together. They may even be your prayer partner. And so here he says, because of false brethren, unawares brought in. So he said, when they came, they came, they did not announce their coming. They did not announce themselves that they were false. They came in unawares. They were brought. And what brought them? Something. No, 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 no. They didn't come because of your invitation. They came because of something that struck a chord in their hearts. Something that was, was aligning with their desires. Selfish desires. So he says, unawares brought in who came in privately to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. First brethren. 
So Paul says they came in unawares, acting like one of you, but they were just studying out what you do. They were spies, spying out our liberty, our freedom, spying out our message so that they can see how to use it against us to bring us into bondage. Now, he's speaking to the church in Galatia. You, you, you should see what these false brethren did in this church. They wreaked havoc to the point that when you study Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, you'll be amazed. Paul is speaking to these people. He says, who has bewitched you? You foolish Galatians. These were wise brothers and sisters. But now they have become fools. He says, who has bewitched you? They are functioning like people who are under a spell, who are being controlled by another force. He says, did I not clearly demonstrate Christ to you crucified? Having begun in the spirit, do you now want to be perfected in the flesh? That tells you they have become fleshly, they have become carnal. Why? Because of some false breath. Some people came in. Judaizers, they called them. They said, no, 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 not what Paul preached. And you see, they knew the message of Paul very well. Because you see, in order for a man to deceive, he must be very close to the truth. Otherwise, it's not a deception. So they said, Paul says A, B, C, D. Paul is wrong. This is the right way. And he to they told them that for you to be truly Christians, you must be circumcised. You must obey the commandments of Moses. And Paul had to write to them. He said, listen, if righteousness was by the law, then grace is nothing. He tells them because look, do not frustrate the grace of God. The one mistake. My false presence. So these are people who joined the church not for the glory of Christ, but for their own glory. I'm aware that there are some people who are false, not intentionally, but because they have made themselves available to the wicked one. And so they are tools in the hands of the enemy. That's why I told you ignorance is a very costly thing. Because when you are ignorant, the enemy can use you. When you have knowledge, God can use you. Study to show yourself approved as a workman that does not need to be ashamed of rightly dividing the word of truth. That means that God wants to use men and women who know the word. Huh? Can you imagine the devil used Peter? Peter. The devil used him. He used him to attack the foundation of the church. Jesus Christ. He used it. But Jesus was deserving enough to see that the devil was being used by, that Peter was being used by the devil. He said, get behind me, Satan. But how many of our brethren are able to discern that this is the devil talking to them? Because imagine, Peter, would you expect Peter to speak for the devil? Would you expect Peter, to, the one who just brought you the word of the Lord. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And now he says, far be it from you that you should die.
takes you aside and rebukes you. It takes a discerning heart to be able to tell that this is there's something wrong with this voice. There's another influence which is not of God. So you see that the false brethren, they present a false image in order to gain some advantage. An image of belonging. Now, why am I teaching you such things? I'm not teaching you so that you should become suspicious of anybody you see in the house of God. Now, I'm teaching you so that you can learn discernment. You should be able to distinguish between right and wrong. You see? But let's read some more scripture. Acts 20 verse 29. Acts 20 verse 29. Paul says this. For this I know, oh, for I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you. So, so what? They are scared because I'm there, they will not show up. But after my departing, after I leave this branch, it says grievous wolves will come. Let me tell you something. The devil's work uh, and, and, and plan and strategies have not changed. And when we educate ourselves in these matters, we know how to deal with him. He says, after my departing shall what? Grievous wolves. Grievous. Vicious wolves. He says, entering among you, not sparing the flock. He says, they will come. They will not spare the flock. They will not spare the flock. Look at verse 18. Also, of your own selves <laughs> shall men arise speaking perverse things. Why? To draw away disciples after them. He says, There are some that will come, there are some that will rise. After I'm gone, they will rise. They will speak perverse things, contrary things to what we have been teaching you. So that they can gain a following from among you. Why? Why do they want to follow him? Why do they want these people to follow them? There is a pattern that has been given. There is a path that has been, you know, that has been set for the people of God to follow. And yet these people rise to traverse their own path and lead the people in that wrong direction. The Bible says they speak to draw disciples after themselves. These are they that make others believe they don't belong here. You're part of the church, and yet somebody's telling you, you know, you, 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 you are big. You're very great. They don't understand you here. Nobody understands your calling here. But I know who you are. I know you are great. Your future is great. And then the person begins to think, when was the last time when my spiritual father sat me down to tell me such words? When was the last time when my spiritual mother told me, no, 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 no. This is indeed my father in the Lord. I know he's a brother here, but uh -uh, this is my father. Actually, God gave me a vision yesterday. You're not even supposed to be a member of this church. You're supposed to run your own church. What is this person doing? He says, from among yourselves, they will rise. The Bible says, it's in the scripture. 
Speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. What they are after is a following. They are not after the glorification of the saints. They are not after the lifting of the saints. They are after their own lifting. They feel like, you know, if I am not the head pastor, if I am not the head minister, then I will never be seen. It is actually insecurity that makes people behave like that. Selfishness. You know, you are great. You are great. And, 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 and then we see people love to hear nice words, sugar-coated words. We all like to feel important, special. Then you see that brother that likes to talk to you like that, but never leads you to follow the leadership of the church. You are listening to a false brethren. A false brother. That's what you are listening to. Doesn't matter that you fell under the power when he was telling you what he was telling you. He did fall under the power, but not under God's power. You should understand falsehood. You know, sometimes people come and say, What I saw, what I saw. Ah, I can't even talk. And you are busy begging them to talk to you. I can't even talk. I can't even talk. Ah. Two weeks, they keep you in suspense. They tell you they couldn't talk. Which spirit is that? If you read your Bible, your Bible will teach you the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet. What does that mean? It means the prophet can decide when to speak, when not to speak. It means that when the spirit of God is leading a man, there is order. It's not a spirit of confusion. Beware of false brethren. Beware. You may be in the right place. And end up in the wrong place because somebody led you away from that place. Somebody forced. You see, it's a, it's, it's, it's Satan's plan. It's the way he does his work. And you see, it's one of his strategies to keep the church from focusing on going to the world. So the church can focus on dealing with internal matters. Busy dealing with the laundry, dirty laundries of the house. So the church doesn't get to go. And that normally happens when the church begins to grow. That's why you'll find that the church will grow, maybe reaches a certain number and stops growing. Why? Because something else is growing on the inside. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 6 that as the number of the disciples multiplied, there was contention within the church. There was division. And until that division was handled, growth was going to be impended. And sometimes ministers love to ignore such things. And say, let's focus on evangelism. How do you win souls when people are being enslaved within the church? When the Lord is adding to the church, the Bible tells us something about him, the great shepherd. He leads his sheep beside still waters. If the waters are not still, he will not leave them there. And if the sheep is brought to troubled waters, it will be laid away from those waters. And so the church must strive for the unity of the church, the unity of the faith, the unity of the vision, the unity of the mission. We must strive for that. There are those false brethren, they try to convince the brethren not to believe what the leadership is telling them to do. 
that those who have intruded into offices they were never given or offices that were called called into but not placed into the bible paul says something he says he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry he enabled me counted me faithful putting me the fact that you are called does not mean you have been placed into that office and, and you see there are certain things that should be handled by the pastor if you know the pastor you direct the person to the pastor otherwise you might end up becoming a false brethren there are certain issues you hear them they are beyond me my sister i am thinking about who to marry here who do you think i should marry should i marry so should i marry so you say uh, brother this is beyond me go to the shepherd but what do you think what i think is that you should go to the shepherd but no what do we want hi let me pray about it radaba shukata kaba okay according to the vision that i have sister so and so is good for you but sister so and so is the will of god for you and so the brother says okay but um, this, what, what's, what's the procedure in the church? You go and talk to the pastor before everything can be finalized. So when the person goes to the pastor, he has a made up mind. This is the will of God. So pastor, I found someone to marry. So and so. Pastor knows more about so and so than that member. Because he has been set over the church. That brother has not been set over the church. He may have been set over a department. That you are set over the leg does not mean you know what the body should do. You are just the leader of the left leg. And now, I've seen some problems, big problems. Now, you see, some people are strong-willed. Once their mind is made up, it can't be unmade. It's a good thing. It's a good thing if it is used in the right thing. <laughs> it's a terrible thing if you are strong-willed in the wrong things. In other cases, the pastor stands by the Spirit of God. We're going to pray and fast for three days. Then this brother talks to another brother. What do you think about that fast? Uh, you know what I think? I think, see, we'll do our own. You do your own? You see, the church is not a place where a man should behave anyhow. Paul wrote to Timothy. He says, I've written to you in these words that you may know how to behave yourself in the house of God which is the ground and pillar of truth am I speaking to somebody this there are some of the things that we're going to hear today that will have to that, 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 that will have to allow to change our character our behavior somebody is asking you to advise them about leaving the church and you tell them go ahead you, you tell them, God, you. You are special, yes. But in this case, you have made yourself too special. Praise the Lord. Who leads the sheep? It's not the sheep leading the sheep. It's the shepherd leading the sheep. Period. It's the shepherd leading the sheep. And whatever sheep that will lead other sheep, he should be leading those sheep because he's being led by the shepherd. 
We follow those who are following the shepherd. If they are not following the shepherd, then they are misleading us. Follow me as I follow Christ. 1 Corinthians 11. 1. Praise God. Romans 16. Can we, maybe before we go to Romans 16. Uh, the book of Philippians. Today's message is not the kind that makes people shout, right? I see you're all quiet. <laughs> and you know, one of the things that makes such messages difficult to share is because for some reason, someone somewhere thinks Asta has a beef with them. <laughs> and so he has decided to preach over their heads. And that is what I've learned. I've learned from the Spirit of God never to share certain messages when certain things happen. Yes, sir. Especially when someone has made a mistake. It's the wrong time to, to try and teach in church to correct them. Correct them privately. Yes, if you teach it in church, they will say, Hi, Pastor is after me. And so, Philippians 3, are you there? <laughs> Look at verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. If you're found it. Let's read it together. I want to go. Beware of. Oh, wait, wait. Did you just read that in your Bible? Beware of what? Dogs. He says, Beware of dogs. So if you have dogs at home, just quote Philippians 3, verse 2 on your head. He says, Beware of dogs. That's the Bible. Beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. He is not talking about German shepherds and bulldogs. No, he's talking about people. And then you see, when you see that son, beware of dogs, he's not trying to warn you of dogs outside. He's telling you there are dogs inside. So, Paul is writing to this church. It's a church. Then he, he puts this sign on the church, beware of dogs. So you want to be a member of this church, but uh, when you enter, walk carefully. There are dogs here. But why have you not chased them, Paul? Ah, you know, Chester, why not Chester? Because if he begins to Chester, that will be another matter. Then people will start saying they preach forgiveness, yet they don't practice it. Forgive a dog for backing it will still back because it's a dog. So instead of chasing them, he keeps them. But then he starts warning the brethren, beware of dogs. Say never beware of dogs. Interesting. Beware of dogs. Not just in this local church, in the entire body of Christ. Beware. There are dogs here. There are dogs. There are some people, brethren, who are posing to be sheep. But in actual sense, they are dogs. Hallelujah. And it tells, it tells us who they are. He says, beware of evil workers. So he's not dealing with dogs. Ooh, ooh. He's dealing with people. And, and I, I think one of, the, one of the ways you can identify some of them is that they love to bark a lot. Scripture says, do nothing with murmurings and complaints. But dogs can't do anything without complaining. They will have to back. 
They'll bark at anybody that is moving. You, you try to make progress, you are serving the Lord, your dogs will start barking at you. The very people you are expecting to be encouraging you will now be saying, I'm all now. Every day, pastor, sir, pastor, sir, pastor, sir, as though he's the only son in the house. Brother, instead of you getting discouraged, beware of those. They have identified themselves. Sometimes a dog can look like a hyena. Wait until the make noise. Beware. There is a noise that dogs make. Dogs bark. You have ministered very well. But they organize a meeting. Did you see that sister? She just joined the ministry. Who does she think she is? We have been here long before she came. That's why God is warning you, sister. Where you have come, there are dogs. Beware. You have come for so and so. You have come for Jesus, but there are dogs here. Beware. Don't be moved. Don't run away, but beware. Don't go back from whence you came from, but beware. Not everyone will encourage you in the house of God. You see, the church is not for perfect people. If it were perfect and you joined it, it would cease to be perfect. The church is for perfecting people. But while people are being perfected, there are those that the enemy loves to use. There are those that he will use because of their ignorance, because of their selfishness. And there are those that he just doesn't use, he owns. They are his, they belong to him. And it is their mission to see to it that the mission of the church is never accomplished. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision. Mischief workers, just beware of them. Second uh, Corinthians 11. Let me read to you Second Corinthians chapter 11. Um, are you still there? Ask some people, why, why did you stop going to church? They'll tell you. So and so said this. So and so. So and so. So and so. All because of so and so. Sometimes you see that about the dogs, it's not about them barking. It's about them going back to their vomits. That's what dogs They go back to their vomit. Shukata kabarikesiga. They go back to their vomit. And so they destroy others. Second Peter, let's go to Second Peter, chapter 2. Let's read about them so you, you see that I am not speaking from without. It's actually scripture speaking to you. And the voice of the scriptures is the voice of the Lord. Hallelujah. Can I start reading it from... <laughs> Let me start it from verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. So you see, he's reserving them. The day of punishment is not now. There is a day of punishment. So he says he's reserving the unjust 
unto the day of judgment to be punished. Verse 10. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise. Look at this. That's what? Despise governments. They despise leadership. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed. Are you seeing what we're talking about? They, they love to do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. If they want to do it, it will be done. If they are taught to do it, they will not do it. They are self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Say amen if you are here. Amen. He says these ones are not afraid to speak evil of leaders. God appointed leaders. Because you see in the house of God, it is God who appoints leaders. We are not like other nations that appoint leaders for themselves. No, God appoints leaders over his church. So he says these ones are not afraid. You should be afraid of anybody who is not afraid to speak against dignities. Someone can raise their finger against someone in an office, the office of the house of God. Escape from that person. Because what you don't know is that you are in trouble right now. He says they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. Look at verse 11. Whereas angels, angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. He says angels, the very angels cannot accuse dignities. They cannot accuse leaders. But these ones are not afraid to accuse leaders. Verse 12. But these, as natural brute beasts, made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not. If you really dig deeper into what they are saying, you actually see that they don't even understand what they are talking about. He says, They speak evil of things they do not understand. And shall utterly perish in their own corruption. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness. As they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. They find pleasure to riot in the daytime. We are doing ABCD, they will riot. We're not going to do it. You see, to riot, you, 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 you don't do it alone. You need to, you need to <laughs> gather others. So you find that. God sends people to do this work, but the people, they don't understand. How come people are not working? We have so many members in the church. We said we are going for evangelism on Saturday. How come only three showed up? Some people rioted. You didn't know. They rioted on WhatsApp. They rioted in their inboxes. I think we'll just, we'll just tell them that we, we are busy working, doing everything. Sports. They are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery. And that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling unstable souls. You see the kind of souls they beguile. Unstable souls. And hearts they have exercised with covetous practices. Cursed children. If I said these things from my mind, you would say I'm a difficult minister. But this is scripture. He calls them cursed. They're in the house of God. He says, cursed children, which have forsaken the right way. So, ah, so they have been on the right way. He says, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam. You know the way of Balaam? is going after money. Going after advantage. 
prophet. The son of Bozo, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Says, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The damn ass, speaking with man's voice, forbade the madness of the prophet. These are whales without water. No wonder he called them case children. Whales without water. Crowds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. For when they, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. Look at verse 19. Have you seen verse 19? Let's read verse 19 together. I want to go. This is while they promise them liberty. See, see what they are doing to the brethren? Promising them liberty. You, you, you say submission, submission. You are being limited. This is not, no. Submission is limitation. And this is the person you're expecting to be submitting. And he's telling you this is limit. You are limiting yourself. You will never shine. You will never make it. You have to start your own work. There are many people today who have ministries that are not recognized. Listen, study the Bible very well. He says the church of the firstborn, which are registered in heaven. There are churches which are registered at Pakra, registered at registral societies, but are not registered in heaven. Because they were never made to be. Some people will be punished on that day for starting churches they were not supposed to start. But because of false brethren, they were led to do so. Some of the false brethren, they don't speak such words. No, 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 no. They, they, they begin to promote the brother or promote the sister. And say, you see, you, you are the one who cares for us. The pastor doesn't care for us. You are the one, you are the one who has always been there for me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I did not have money, you gave me money. And now the sister begins to feel big-headed, so I, so I can take care of these people more than the pastor. And yet that sister is a leader. Meaning what? She is the extension of the hand of the pastor. Whatever she was doing, that was pastor doing. But because she did not do her leadership work, she misled and was misled by those she misled. So what? Let's start our own thing. Look at this. He says, while they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same he is brought in bondage. Look at verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world, through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the later end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. Verse 22. Look at verse 22. Beware of dogs. But it is happened unto them according to the true proverb the dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the soul that was washed to her wallowing in the mare. The pig that was washed has gone back into the mud. So scripture says, beware of such. They speak against dignities. And you see, the shepherd is always in front. Because that's how he's supposed to lead. The sheep follows. 
It's only when the shepherd is leading goats that he has to be behind them. But a shepherd is in front. But while he's leading in front, some false brethren are doing something to the sheep. By the time the shepherd tends to count his sheep, he finds there are some that are lost. A wolf has devoured them. A wolf has devoured them. Hallelujah. First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 11. Let me study from verse 1. Here you see Paul making a defense for himself of his calling because <laughs> um, uh, he had an issue at this church, the church at Corinth. It was not just false brethren, it was also false apostles who had risen. 2 Corinthians 11, we'll read from this one. Some false apostles had risen in this church. Paul, himself an apostle, so they said if he's an apostle, we too can become apostles. So they ordained themselves, you know, and took over the work and started misleading people. And they made it their mission to teach the people the opposite of whatever Paul taught them and wreaked havoc in the church. They so much wreaked havoc to the point that whenever, they, they, whenever Paul would write to them, they would call him a fool. So Paul says, if I'm a fool, give me the patience to express my foolishness. Let me talk to you. You can imagine the pain of this man of God to have, I mean, he, he planted this church. You know, you know, he spent one year, six months to establish this church. A very busy man, planting churches in different places. But when he was dealing with this church, he spent one year, six months. Then he moved to other places. And then reports started coming of what was going on. When you study 1 Corinthians, you'll be amazed at the things that were happening in this church. There was confusion. There was division. Uh, there were even those who were saying, Paul cannot be our spiritual father. Apollos came after Paul. So now that we have listened to Apollos, we are for Apollos. There are those who said, no, we have heard the teaching of Peter. We are for, we are for Kephas. Then there are those who were so confused. They said, we are neither for Paul, we are neither for Kephas, we are for Christ. And so Paul had to address these matters. In chapter 1, it begins with him talking about the report he got from the house of Claude. Thank God there was somebody faithful enough to report what was happening. And you can imagine in those days, they didn't have instant messages. They had to send letters. There was no uh, video calling or WhatsApp or phone calls. Messages would be sent via letters. Epistles had to be written. You know, 1 Corinthians and a lot of these books were not written because the authors thought, hey, this book will bless people. No, it was a way of communication, communicating with people who were afar off. How do I deal with these matters? I'll put it in writing and send it to them. Some of their writings were because Paul could not be with the people. He was in prison. But you see, his message was not in prison. He wrote it, penned it, and released it. When you study 1 Corinthians, you'll be amazed. Is this, is this a church? What are we seeing here? Confusion, division. So he begins to deal with this. He tells them the issue is your wisdom. Your wisdom is wrong. Are you not aware that there is a wisdom God hid from the foundations of the world unto our glory? Are you not aware that you're supposed to function by this wisdom? 
We speak wisdom among them that are mature. But you're not mature, you are babes. I'm summarizing chapter 1, 2, 3. He says that if anyone among you seems to be wise, let him become a fool that he may be wise. He says, look, glory not in men. Don't boast about Paul. Don't boast about Cephas. Don't boast about Apollos. He says, for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or death or life or things present or things to come, all are yours and here are Christ's. He says, we all belong to you. We have been given to the church. And all these material things and non-material things have been given to the church. In chapter 4, he says, I write to you, not to your shame, but as a father speaking to you as my children. You may have 10,000 instructors. Apollos may have instructed you. Peter may have instructed you. But you have one father in the Lord. And I have given birth to you through the message I brought to you. For this reason, I am sending you Timothy, who should come and remind you of my way, which be in the gospel, which I teach in all the churches. In chapter 5, you see him dealing with this happening. There was this issue. This issue. Probably some people were saying, grace is grace is grace. A man, a member of the church, slept with his father's wife. Got his mother, his, his stepmother. Only God knows if he was a leader in that church. But I tell you, this was a church. He says, this kind of sin is not even mentioned among non-believers. He says, how come you do not weep when this happens? How come you do not deliver this one to the devil? Deliver him to the devil, Paul. Where is grace? Paul is telling us, this is how grace works. Grace does not permit sin. Grace is not license for sin. Grace is an empowerment to live above sin. The Bible says the grace that brings salvation has appeared to us all, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Then he begins to deal with this matter. He said, I want you to have a meeting. In that meeting, I'll be present in the spirit by the power of the Lord Jesus. We will deliver this one. We're going to deliver him to the devil. I said, a lot of people don't know church. They don't know. Pastor gives them a simple rebuke. They are offended. They are angry. They run to the world. They don't know church. He says, we'll deliver this one. Devil, we are giving you permission to deal with this one. <laughs> In chapter 6, he deals with other issues. You know what issues were there? They were taking each other to court. Some of them had issues to do with Congole. Dead members. And so they will take each other to court. And then when they come to church, they're not talking to each other because they have, they have court issues. And so when pastor says you're going to evangelism, they won't go together. Two by two, you, you're going so and so, forget it. They will not do anything. They have court issues. So Paul had to write to them and said, you, are you not aware that the saints are going to judge angels? Are you not aware that the saints are going to judge the world? If you're going to judge angels and judge the world, are you, are you unworthy to judge small matters? Why take such things among us, the non-believers? Why not deal with them within the, within the camp? Take these matters to sinners. You see how some, some Christians will take Christian matters to non-Christian people for counsel. Paul deals with that. In chapter 6, you see him talking about fornication. Dealing with that, you are the temple of the Spirit. Don't live anyhow. 
You are bought with a price because some of them, you see, Corinth was was a very it was it was a happening city. It was a happening city in those days. There was prostitution in those days. There was so much, and some of the brethren, you know, were going to prostitutes. So he told them, he said, "You're going to join the temple of the Holy Spirit to a harlot." Are you not aware that you become one spirit? Are you not aware that you are corrupting the temple? He says, he that destroys the temple of the Holy Spirit, God will destroy. Are you not aware that you are raining judgment upon yourself? Then he talks to them, glorify God, you are bought with a price. In chapter 7, he begins to explain further. He tells them, say, you, can, you cannot handle it. Marry. If your passions are overtaking you, he says, marry. Then he also notices that there was also issues amongst the married people in the church. They had issues. There were those who were defrauding one another of those marriage privileges. So he says, man, are you not aware that when you are married to your wife, your body is not yours? Woman, are you not aware that when you are married, your body is not yours? He says, don't defraud one another. Except with consent that you may give yourself to prayer and fasting. And then even that should not take too long before you come together. Then he goes back to dealing with singles because there was a lot of issues. Imagine this is just one church. We have not even gone to 2 Corinthians. This is just 1 Corinthians. And he begins to deal with this. There were those who were saying, you know, if I am in Christ, I am a new creature. That includes my marriage. My, old, my marriage is passed away. So they were leaving, they were, they were leaving their husbands. They were living, so he had to write to them. He says, don't you know that if you, you, don't you know, you believing Christian, that you can save your unbelieving spouse? He wrote to them. Then he reminds them how they are supposed to be serious in winning souls and serving the Lord. He says, because the time is running out. He tells them, those who are single, to be busy, to be single in serving God. Single-minded. He says, because when you are married, you care about a lot of things to please your spouse. In chapter 8, he deals with food offered to idols because that was also an issue. Some brethren were being offended. Some people just love to eat too much. You know what I mean? In those days, because Corinth had so many temples, and a lot of those temples were idol temples, temples for idol worship. You see, so when their families would have a wedding, the wedding would be in the temple for idols. And then uh, the food which was offered to idols was the food that they were going to eat. So some Christians would go and eat. And then Paul wrote and said, there is nothing wrong, nothing wrong with you eating. But not everyone has this knowledge. So if you, if you eat this food and somebody who does not have this knowledge sees you do that, their conscience will be defiled. Then it begins to establish some principles to see whether or not you are working correctly. He says, if what you do will cause another brother to stumble, then it is wrong. And if you sin against the church, you sin against Christ. Praise God. In chapter 9, you see him again defending himself with apostleship. He talks to them about uh, him deserving or having certain rights as an apostle who goes to war at his own charge, who plants a vineyard and does not eat from it. Because they said, look at this guy. Praise God. You read in chapter 10, there is an issue um, with division as well. So he deals with that issue. He explains to them about what happened in the Old Testament and the symbolism of what happened. 
how that the mammaras were destroyed and they destroyed in chapter 11 he continues with that deals with the issue of head covering because that was an issue in that church and then he says i've talked too much about these natural things so concerning spiritual things i don't want you to be ignorant chapter 12 from verse 1 king james says concerning spiritual gifts but in the original the word gift is not there so he's dealing with spiritual things so he starts talking to them about gifts but then the emphasis in chapter 12 is not the gifts it's unity He's trying to show them it is one spirit. One spirit. You may be prophesying, but it is one spirit. You may be giving a word of knowledge. It's one spirit. It is God who has set some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be, you know, in this office, in that office. We have been made so different so that we can complement each other, not so that we can compete with each other. That's the emphasis of chapter 12. So in chapter 13, he says, let me show you the, most, the more excellent way. It's not enough to have gifts. Follow after love. So he starts teaching them of what love is, how love operates, how love is patient, how love believes. He's trying to organize this church. Say a good amen if you're seeing it. He shows them that all these gifts that you have are temporal. But love will remain. In chapter 14, he brings order concerning tongues because that was a big issue. Some people were preaching in tongues. Imagine all these minutes you have been listening to me and all I was doing was Kadi Adugaba. Bere Isko Fradigaba. You bring somebody to church, they can't interpret tongues, they are lost. So you said you must seek to edify. In as much as you are zealous of spiritual gifts, says you must desire to build the church. That's what he emphasizes. He emphasizes order. Order. Chapter 15, there's confusion concerning resurrection. Because there are those who were confused. There were those who were being taught that there is no resurrection from the dead. And so Paul says, this is an attack on the entire message we preach. Because without the resurrection, if Christ was not raised from the dead, our preaching is nothing. Your faith is useless. So he begins to, he took an opportunity to talk about the rapture and what will happen during the rapture in chapter 16 he concludes the book so now we come to second corinthians and i wish i could take you chapter by chapter as i have with first corinthians but in second corinthians here he's still dealing with some of these matters so in 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 chapter 11 because of time let me just skip to a part that i wanted to show you um, how this man went through so much praise god Hallelujah. <laughs> Let me read from verse 7. He says, have I, have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you might be exalted because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely? He's telling them, don't you know that it is me abasing myself, humbling myself that I preach to you the gospel freely? And the way of that. Read for me verse 8. One to go. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to use. Have you ever read this scripture? He says, I robbed other churches. This is Paul speaking. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do your service. What is he trying to say? He's telling them, when I came to you, I didn't want to receive anything from you. Whatever I needed, other churches sent me. Because I knew that if I took anything from you, you will use that to fight my ministry. 
He says, and when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. So when I was with you, I couldn't even take anything from you. I couldn't even collect your own seeds and all this kind of stuff. No, I couldn't. Because you would use that against me. This was a difficult church. So I received from other branches to continue being with you. Some people think all Paul did was to make tents. No, this scripture shows us he did more. He received. He had to make tents when he started this church because he knew that um, if he is not in business, they will not accept his message. So he started making tents and selling tents and started doing the work. Now, um, praise the Lord. <laughs> And then we skip to 20, verse 20. It says, for you suffer. If a man, now when he says you suffer, it means you allow. It says you suffer. If a man bring unto you, if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exhort himself, if a man smite you on the face, it says you allow him. Man comes among you to bring you in bondage. You allow him. He exhausts himself over you. You allow him. He says, I speak concerning reproach as though we had been weak. How be it? He says, whensoever any is bored, I speak foolishly. I am bored also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant. In stripes above measure. In prisons more frequent. In death oft of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one thrice was I beaten with roads once was I stoned thrice I suffered shipwreck a night and a day I have been in the deep in journeys often in perils of waters in perils of robbers in perils by my own countrymen in perils by the heathen in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness in perils in the sea and then look at the last part Imperials among false brethren. So I've suffered so many things. Some of my sufferings have come from false brethren. Now that will make you understand why you would write to people like Timothy and call him my true son. It is because he had false sons. He says, I've suffered so many false brethren. So the false brethren, now look at it. When you look at the church of Jesus Christ today, you will see a lot of these things. Huh? You even read in the news, a member, a member of this church revealed that this is what the pastor did. Accusing that pastor, a member. And then everyone believes, ah, if a member has said that is so. And you see, in some cases it is so. But in most cases it isn't. It is a false brethren leaking out such information so that the work can be frustrated. Listen. The devil is a schemer. He schemes, he plans. How do I destroy this work? Remember concerning Balaam when they could not curse the children of Israel, they had to come up with another strategy. Huh? We should release women to go and seduce them. Seduce the men. The judgment will come. The devil is like that. How do we bring them down? If we attack their finances, we will not prevail. We do ABCD, the devil says, let's send some people to be among them. 
spy their liberty that we may bring them into bondage. Hallelujah. Some of them will go, some of them will never go. First John 2 verse 19. Let's conclude this today. So when we come next week, I'll talk to you about something else. First John 2, look at verse 19. They went out from us, but they were not of us. That is not to say everyone who leaves, uh, there's something wrong with them. No, there are people who were just, they didn't belong here. He says, for they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went, that they might be made manifest that they were not of us. They were not all of us. That's why they left the ministry, he says. So that it could be revealed that they were not part of the ministry in the first place. John says, nobody who is part of the ministry leaves the ministry. Says anybody who leaves, leaves because they were not part of it in the first place. They may have acted as part, but they were not. Now, Romans 16, verse 17 to 18, shows us how to treat false brethren. So, um, we're teaching you such because we're not going to chase them. And um, I've not seen any false brethren here. I haven't seen some in a long time. But this is a teaching to... Open your eyes, sharpen your tools of discernment so that in case somebody comes to you privately trying to dissuade you, mislead you, you will know what to do. Because the time is short. We need to be focused on the assignment God gave us. We need to be focused. We can't be dealing with petty issues. We have a world to win. We have souls to win. Instead of winning arguments, we need to be winning souls. Romans 16, have you found it? Verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren. So here's how to deal with them. He says, Mark, Mark, praise God. Hallelujah. Put a mark, a mental mark. Praise God. Mark them which do what? Cause divisions. Cause divisions. You know, you know what division is? Dire vision. Dire vision. That means that there is a vision. Someone brings in another vision. So it's a dire vision. It's a diversion from the original vision. So anyone who brings another vision, he says, mark him. Praise God. Mark. Tell your neighbor, mark. mark. He, he may stand in front of the pulpit. He may be, don't, don't care about their titles here. He says, mark them. Which do what? They cause divisions. They cause them. They cause either by their actions or by their words. They cause divisions. They mark them. And offenses, contrary to the doctrine, the doctrine is the teaching. It says, contrary to the teaching which you have learned. It says, there are teachings you have learned. Those who cause offenses, contrary to what we have taught you, he says, mark them. Why are you marking them? Look at the last part of that voice, that verse. And what? Read it to me. Want to go in what? And avoid them. And avoid them. Avoid them. There are some people who need to be put in spiritual quarantine. (laughs) They must be avoided. Why should they be avoided? Because they are contagious. So he says, mark them. 
and avoid them. Quarantine them. Praise God. Keep a distance. Doesn't matter that you were best friends from grade two. He says if they cause divisions, if they, they, they cause offenses contrary to the doctrine we have learned, he says mark them and avoid them. He says for they that are such, save not our Lord. You may see them very busy saving. He says they do not save our Lord Jesus Christ. But their own belly. They are saving their belly. Their appetites. He says, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Your heart is not simple. You, 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 you are big. So he says, mark them, avoid them. It's in church, yes. Is it the word of God? Yes. Second Thessalonians 3, 6, I read it quickly. It says, withdraw yourself from every brother or sister that walks disordered. That means when, when you see them, you say, hello, hello. If you are walking on the street, you see him coming in this direct direction, the Bible says change your direction. Avoid. Are you walking in love? Yes, this is love according to scripture. Hallelujah. No, no, I know the enemy. The enemy now steps in and begins to condemn you. Yeah, you can't be doing that. It's, it's not love. Love means that you are there no matter what they do. Mm -mm. Scripture doesn't say so. Scripture says there are people you have to love from afar. You don't have to be close to love them. Love them from afar. Avoid them. Hallelujah. Avoid them on WhatsApp. Avoid them on Facebook. Avoid them in person. Avoid them. Uh, even in church, avoid them. Praise God. If you are going to sit next to them, ask the usher to give you another chair. Avoid them. <laughs> because they might disturb you while you are getting blessed. They will be busy doing something. They are busy on their phone. You think they are writing notes. They are busy chatting on Facebook. And then you are distracted. You miss your own miracle. Avoid them. Go and sit somewhere else. Mark them. And, and pray for them. He didn't say so, but pray for them. <laughs> That peradventure God may grant them repentance. Because what is coming for them is worse. So he says there is judgment reserved. So God may not punish them right there and then. Sometimes God may punish such people like Ananias and Sapphira. But there are certain people you will not punish them until that day. So there may be no sign from God that these ones are going in the wrong direction. Apart from the scriptures he has given us. So we've got to be wise. Beware of false brethren. Now, after learning this thing about false brethren, it means that you have to take a careful watch of yourself that you don't end up such. Walk in the word. Live the word. Function in the church as a member of the church. There is no part of the body that functions in isolation. Every part of the church, every part of the body functions dependent of the other parts. We work together. That's the body. That's the church. You don't do your own thing. No, we function as a church. You see, a body has two eyes, but those two eyes bring in one vision. The whole body will have to function with the vision of those eyes. And you see, the one that has the eyes is not the hands. It's not the legs, it's the hands. So if the hand is telling you to do ABCD, just know the hand is misleading you because the hand does not have... Listen, listen. Of all the senses that the human body has, you can only find all of them in one part, the head. The only part, the only senses that the body has 
is the sense of, of touch. All the other senses are in the head. You can actually touch the head. The head can actually feel. The head has all the five senses. So who told you so and so? Who is the toe in the church? <laughs> the toe cannot see where it's going. The, the toe follows the instruction of the head. Otherwise it's lost. Praise God. Rise up to your feet.